Blog Talk Radio. There is a watchman on the wall, bringing forth the written word of God to one and all. Are you getting ready? Will you stand or will you fall? Listen to the watchman on the wall. Listen to the watchman on the Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense, Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. gentlemen, this is Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. Great to be with you today. It's Tuesday. It is April 12th, 2022, and time is moving by swiftly. I think a lot of people are beginning to recognize that. We've been very busy over here in the little corner of Northwest Arkansas, continuing to prepare for what we know is coming. The reason why we know that we are going to face the storm, the, I'm talking about the big storm, is because the Bible says so. There is no, you know, personal calculation, no intrinsic wisdom or uh, prophecy within ourselves. It is simply the Word of God that tells us that when you see these things begin to come to pass, that you need to go out into the wilderness, you need to flee into the mountains, the deserts, the Goshens, the refugees, Uh, wherever it is that God has prepared for you. So we continue to prepare in Northwest Arkansas. We are not just hearers of the word, and we certainly don't just talk about things. We actually do what the word of God says to do. And I liken that to the days of Noah. In the days of Noah, according to Hebrews chapter 11, I'd like to share this with you briefly. In Hebrews chapter 11, we're told, and this is very important for everybody who's making their final preparations right now, we're told in verse 7, Hebrews eleven seven, by faith Noah being warned of God, by faith Noah being warned of God, of things not yet seen or things not seen as yet. So God warned him, nobody saw it, but God warned him. Now by faith, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, Noah moved with 
fear, reverential respect and honor for what God revealed to him. Not by what God said was going to happen, but because his reverential respect, the fear of Noah was that God said something and he believed God and he honored God. Okay. And what did he do? His faith and his respect for God moved him to prepare an ark to the saving of his house. By the which, okay, so when faith comes in what God has said and reverential respect for God, that's it. Nothing else, nothing more, nothing less. Simple reverential respect for what God has said. Now, what's awesome is that God spoke rhema words to Noah. God literally made his voice known to Noah. You and I have the Logos word, the written word of God. He had the rhema word of God. And you and I are reading the Bible about what God said to Noah, right? But there's a reason why it was written down. And so here we have a man, Noah, who God revealed to him what was about to happen to the world in which he lived. Noah had faith when he heard God's word. He believed God. And then God told him to prepare an ark. And because of his reverential respect and awesome reverence for God, he did what God told him to do. In spite of not seeing anything, nothing on the news channel saying, here it comes, right? He only had God's word to direct his actions. And so he was preparing this ark to the saving of his house. Okay, that's his lineage. Now, what's interesting is that the Bible goes on to say that by the which, okay, by, in other words, him doing what he did, he condemned the world. Noah's faith and obedience out of reverential respect and awe and awesome honor of the Lord compelled him to do something that God told him to do, and by doing it, he condemned the world. In other words, the very actions of Noah, the very actions of doing what God told him to do, was a sentence upon the world that then was. And right now, in these last days, those who are hearing the word of God, maybe not a rhema word, a personal audible voice of God, but who are connecting the dots and are being led by the Holy Spirit and know how to read their Bible. They don't need to listen to a man. They just know how to read their Bible. And when they see things that the Bible said would be, and they begin to respond to it out of the same reverential respect that Noah did, and they begin to prepare for these end times that we're living in and do the things that are necessary to do, well, it is at that moment that the sentence upon this earth begins to become very clear. So again, by faith, Noah, being warned of God. I want to ask you a question. Has God warned you about anything? Um, Has he warned you through your pastor? Has he warned you through a friend? Has he warned you in your own heart through a dream, through a vision? Has God warned you by reading the Bible and then seeing the world in which we live and the things that are going on in the world? Has God warned you? that there is an end coming, that there is a violent storm coming, that there is an antichrist coming, there is a beast rising out of the earth and out of the sea? Is there a mystery Babylon? Is God warning you about a one-world government, about not being able to buy or sell without receiving the mark of the beast? 
And if you do receive the mark of the beast, you damn your soul forever and ever. Has God warned you? Has God revealed to you that these are the days of those biblical warnings becoming a reality? Has God confirmed his word? Or are you, like some, mocking and scoffing, saying, well, it's always been like this. They said that 2,000 years ago. They said that 500 years ago. Are you developing a hardened attitude against prophecy? Which, in the book of Thessalonians, Paul wrote and said, do not despise prophesying. And there is a lot of prophesying going on in our generation, isn't there? I mean, if there's ever been a prophetic generation, we are living in the prophetic generation. And that's why it breeds false prophets, false apostles, false pastors, false teachers, because there's so much of it going on. And and it gets into the atmosphere. You need to have a witness in your heart what the simple word of God really has to say. So that when prophets speak, you could line up with what they're saying with the word of God. The word of God is what you need to see. Now, you may say, well, the word of God talks about peace and prosperity and good times. But the word of God also talks about gloom and doom and dark times. So which one is true? Well, all you have to do is look at the world through the biblical lens, and come up with an understanding that many things that were said about peace and safety and recovery and all these things were not true. And we're going deeper and deeper into the darkness, and yet there are still people, you know, know, just kind of saying what they want to say. But the word of God has spoken. Noah had faith. He was warned of God because he honored God. He prepared an ark, and when he prepared the ark, it was a sentence of condemnation about the world that then was. Our world that we live in, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, the world that we live in has turned against God in many ways. Now, there may be individuals, singular individuals, that maintain a love for God, a love for Jesus Christ, a love for the grace of God, who have apprehended the mercy of God, the goodness of God, the truth of God, the intrinsic value of God, the eternal purpose of God who are moving like Abraham, even though Sodom and Gomorrah was being destroyed, Abraham was on a mountaintop moving forward in the eternal purpose of God. And there are people that have that living experience going on within them, regardless of what's going on in the world. But when it comes to this time that we're living in, this is the call. God is warning people, just like he warned Noah, even though things have not yet been seen, or they haven't yet been revealed, okay, we haven't seen them yet, Noah didn't see anything of the evidence of what God was saying, God didn't say, hey, look over here, look what there, it wasn't there, all God was doing was saying, I am bringing in a flood, I'm bringing the world to an end, you need to prepare because I want you to go through it, and on the other side of it, there'll be a new heaven and a new earth, well, the ecclesia today, all believers today are being warned of God in the same way, and we know it's not going to be a flood of water, We know that the earth that now is is reserved under fire, and we live in the nuclear age, and we live at a time when, my God, the cities around the world are going to burn with fire. And that's probably because of nuclear weapons and dirty bombs and sophisticated technological advanced weapons that exist in the world today. I mean, that is a no-brainer. That's not a big deal. Why do you think governments around the world have super weapons? And, of course, America being the first nation to drop the big bombs on Japan, as I heard a young man say yesterday, um, you know, there's no doubt that what you sow, you shall reap. 
and that America's turning away from God was the worst thing that America could have ever done because America has many enemies because of its superpower status in the world. And there are those that want to get to the top of this heap pile of things. And our sin against God has removed his hedge of protection. And I think on 9-11-2001, that became abundantly clear that the hedge was being removed. The alarm sounded 9-1-1. And for a moment, the people started to wake up, but then they hit the snooze button again, and we've gone back to sleep, and we've gone deeper into the muck and mire of the times in which we live. I think that's very clear. That's nothing new. That's a reality, and that's where we are. So, again, by faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. There is an economic collapse coming. There is a food shortage crisis coming. It may not be when everybody's thinking it is, but it's coming. Why? Because the Bible says it's coming. The Bible predicts food shortage. It also predicts food on the shelves, but the price of getting that food, exponential. The Bible predicts wars. The Bible predicts famines. The Bible predicts pestilence. The Bible predicts uh, all kinds of shattering events like hurricanes and earthquakes and tornadoes and volcanoes and the world shaking and rumbling. It's all throughout scripture. And so we just happen to be witnessing these things in an accelerated way, like a woman in travail whose time has come. There's an intensification of the pain, an acceleration of the pain, The pangs are coming more swiftly, and then you get these minor pauses, and everybody thinks it's okay, and it's really not okay. It's only time to prepare. It only is an opportunity to accelerate in our preparation. I'm confident that Noah wasted no time, even though it took about 120 years. He wasted no time in preparing that massive ark that was going to save eight people and a bunch of animals that were on the ark. Wow, a lot of work to save a few people. Well, we live in a world of about 8 billion people right now, and God has sent a warning into the hearts of some to prepare, and how many people will take heed? How many people are listening? How many people have the reverential respect to honor God's word, to witness the things that are going on in the world, and then doing something about it? And again, When people do prepare, they are putting the sentence, like it says here, by the which he condemned the world, and he became an heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. Just as Noah went through the global worldwide flood of his time, and he had to endure through that period of time, which was about at least a year they were in the ship, in the ark. And so we go back to Genesis and get the times and dates and all this pretty phenomenal teaching, quite frankly, has to do with the feasts, if you want to know the truth. Um, But anyways, there's a connection there. But as he endured and he went through it and the devastation came, on the other side, he came out, a new beginning began. But because of man's human nature, he went and, you know, he he created a, a vineyard and he wound up getting drunk and his son did something to his wife. Uh, his own mother, whatever the case was, people think could be this, that, or the other thing. But we went right back into degradation because that's the human nature of things, which is abnormal. Now, through Jesus Christ, who those of us who have been born again and do admit that there has been a change in our lives through our faith, 
in receiving Christ, not by becoming religious, not because we started to go to church. No, there has been a supernatural divine sowing or impartation of God into our hearts that has brought about a transformation, a real change. The, the, uh, the struggle is always to resist thinking that going to church or having, you know, uh, being religious or reading my Bible is the answer. No, the supernatural transformation can only take place by the Holy Spirit of the living God. And that experience is available to everybody. You know, anyone who will call upon the name of the Lord could be saved by the grace of God and receive that experiential impartation of God's spirit that produces transformation. There's no doubt about that. You become a different person, not because I was a bad guy. Now I'm a good guy. I used to go to the bars. Now I go to church. I mean, that may be a result of it, but that's not the change we're talking about. The intrinsic transformation is a divine touch of God upon the heart that brings about change. This is important because in that economy, of what I just said, we who are getting ready to go through the greatest tribulation to have ever hit the face of the earth, who are preparing right now for the storm of violence that is coming upon the shores of all the nations of the earth, the fire that will burn all over the world, those of us who are about to go through a one world government, a rise of Antichrist, where God has selected certain places for people to dwell, like the Bible says, in the wilderness for three and a half years, We will come out on the other side and not fall into the Noahide problems again. We will not fall into the trap that Noah fell into because on the other side of the great tribulation that we're going through, the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is promised in the scriptures. So when we come out on the other side, it's to greet the Lord, the resurrection of the dead, being caught up to meet the Lord in the air and being with the Lord and his economy will be fashioned, and the earth will undergo the wrath of God, the outpouring of the seven vials of the wrath of God, and then the Lord is going to return with all of us, and he's going to set up his millennial reign upon this earth for a thousand years. That's the truth of scripture. It's third grade. It's simple, but that's our hope. Our hope is in the resurrection. Our hope is that if we die, we will be resurrected, If we live, we will be translated. Some people call that the harpazo or the rapture. All it is is a, you know, suddenly in the blink of an eye, in the twinkling of an eye, we'll be caught up to meet the Lord in the air and we'll be changed into that new bodies that God has for us. But this is where things are going right now. So what we're witnessing in the world, evil men waxing worse and worse. I was just looking at uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, for example. I was just kind of viewing this before coming on the air, because I heard these words in my spirit, this know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, Truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. He went on further to uh, say that in the last days, 
for the time will come in 2 Timothy 4.3, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. For the time will come they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own desires shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Okay. So we know that in the last days, evil men will wax worse and worse. So should we be surprised by the evil that is rising in the world today? There are some excellent videos out right now and documentaries being made. Uh, Sister Laquita sent a video yesterday of a gentleman who put a two-hour video out there exposing things extraordinarily well. Rick Wiles from True News talked about the Khazarians and what's going on in Ukraine extraordinarily well. And then there was another video, Watch the Water with Stu Peters, extraordinarily well. So the revelation of the evil that's going on in the world is coming out, but should we be surprised by it? The Bible says that evil men will wax worse and worse. They're not going to get better and better. And it's interesting to live in a world where everybody's looking for something to get better and better. And I think that comes out of our hope. It comes out of our desire for better days. And I personally don't think anything is wrong with that. You know, we want to see things work together for good. We want to see, you know, a better world. We want to hear the singing of the birds, and we want to hear the sound of the turtle dove in the land. We want to come to a place where winter is past and spring has come, and we're going to skip upon the mountains and go out and meet the Lord. Uh, we want to have joyful times and laugh, laughable times and enjoy the blessing and benefit of life and praise the Lord and worship God and see transformation and see salvation and watch people receive the grace of God and as we're watching them allow the streams of thanksgiving and pure love for God, you know, uh, stream down our cheeks because somebody got saved. We want to see a better government. We want to see a government that's for the people, by the people, serving the people. We want to see not a government that's making war with 80 million Americans who supported their president while he was still the president. We don't want to be a part of this nonsense, right? We want to see things better. And the exposure of, the, of, of things that are happening in the world are being done very, very well. And by the time we're done looking at all the videos or seeing all the documentaries or hearing all the messages, all they're doing is lining up with the Word of God. But what are those signs telling us? Well, they're telling us it's the end times. Now, a lot of people are trying to bring exposure so we could do something about it. But if you know your Bible, you won't be able to do anything about it except build your ark. God didn't tell Noah, Noah, I'm flooding the earth because the wickedness of men. Look at these evil people entertaining giants and and Nephilim and demons and, 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 and angelic things that are going on. And I want you to do something about it, Noah. No, God said, I'll do something about it when I'm ready. You just prepare your ark. And I think the information that we're getting, if we're thinking somehow the information that we're receiving is so that we can be equipped to go out and fight it and change it, I do believe at this time in my life that that is ill-perceived. I believe that all the things that we're seeing are a sign of the times of what God said would be in acceleration and that the only thing that you could do if you're truly born again 
is get your heart ready, get your mind ready, get your physical life ready. You need to find that place. You've got to get into that ark. You need to get your own food, get your own water. You need to be in a place that God will protect. You need to follow the Lord. The only way you could be where God wants you to be is to be led by the Holy Spirit. And the only way you can be led by the Holy Spirit is by honoring the Word of God, doing what it says to do, and allowing for that divine nature to be activated so that everything you're doing is in the fruit of the Spirit. Then we could be led by the Holy Spirit into the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people right now. And so, again, and this, this is a razor's edge thought, is it not? Is God telling us? And again, I want to view it in the days of Noah because Jesus said that's what the end times would be like, like the days of Noah and the days of Lot. Now, in both Noah's case and Lot's case, let me ask you a question. Did God reveal to Noah what he was about to do because of the wickedness of their hearts? And you read Genesis 6, and God tells Noah, the heart of man is continually evil all the time. I regret that I made him, et cetera, et cetera. He tells Lot... He sends angels to Lot to say, hey, the wickedness of Sodom and Gomorrah is worse than what I heard. And so I'm going to destroy it. Does he tell either one of these men, Lot or Noah, look at the evil. I want you to do something about it. I want you to form a coalition. I want you to start a new government. I want you to bring in a new leader. And I want you to go and make war politically against these evil atrocities that are going on in Sodom and in the world in the days of Noah. No, he did not. He told Lot by the angels, get out. He told Noah, build an ark, get into it, and get out of what I'm about to do. And when we study end time Bible prophecy, these are the two witnesses that Yeshua gave to us to follow, Noah and Lot. He said that's what it would be like. So what did both of them do? They knew the information, they heard the warning, and so they prepared, they left, Unfortunately for Lot, he lingered, and he wound up going up with nothing but the clothes on his back. His wife turns into a pillar of salt because she looked back. He's up in the mountains with his two daughters. They want seed. They want children, so they have intercourse with their father. And he, you know, and so you get these offshoots about Moab, uh, my, 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 my shoe pot or whatever it is, and you get all this negativity again, just like with Noah, negativity, just like with Lot, negativity. Uh, after their storm, after their exodus from the things going on. But with us today, who are born again, we have a greater hope. We have a greater hope. We endure to the end of what is coming because we prepared and we're with the Lord where he's called us to be. And then the Lord returns and we are with him and there is no going back. And because born again, we're not going to linger at the commandment of God. And we, because we are born again, we're not going to come out on the other side and become immoral again. And boy, is that a word that we need to hear again in our society. Immorality. Immorality. We live in an immoral world. And we as Christians are to be boasting the greatest morality ever. And the fact of the matter is, is that we've been embarrassed. And there is, there is not a whole bunch of morality in Christians. Why? Because unless the heart has been changed by the grace of God, unless the Spirit of God has sent a lightning bolt to the heart to fry some of the wiring of the old nature and to redevelop the new nature. I mean, we're just the same exact people that are on the planet with their own immorality, but we cover ours with religion. We cover ours with pretense, and we become hypocritical, 
and we become the judges of that world, but inside of us there's a world of iniquity that goes on. So we are a generation that it is really, really bad what is going on. We can, fi- we can barely find any measure of what it means to be a true born-again Christian. I mean, we find very little measure of it intrinsically. I'm not talking about outwardly with the suits and the sermons and the lights and the stages and the money and the success and, and having oratory skills and motivational skills. I'm talking about how the gospel was to impact our lives, impact our hearts, impact our minds, keep us humble and convicted and repentant to walk in, uh, you know, all, all of these things, to walk in them. You can hardly find it anymore. You, you listen to a sermon from 100 years ago or 70 years ago, and you see the, the development and, and the quality of those sermons, and you, and you feel the impact of the ministers of God. And, and, and they were men and women of God who gave themselves to the purpose of God and prepared the people. And today it's all tickle my ears, scratch my back, tell me what I want to hear, tell me smooth things. I mean, it's just what it is. And so the revelation of the evil that is coming on the earth is there, but what are you going to do with it? What are you doing with the revelation? You know what I I, I tremble at in my heart is that people are listening to all of it, and it's all true. It's even in the Bible, but aren't doing anything. It's like, get me the popcorn. I want to hear more. I want to hear more of this negativity. I want to hear more of this end time scenario. I want to hear more about gloom and doom. But People personally aren't preparing for it. Corporately, churches everywhere are just thinking they're going to fly away, you know, in a pre-tribulational rapture. So they're not doing anything, just living their best life now kind of thing. Um, So you have groups of people doing nothing. You have individuals doing nothing. And then the groups that start to do something, you get maybe a tithe of the people that really get involved. And... This is, this is tough, man. We're, we're in a tough spot. I'm telling you, we're in a tough spot. But here's what I know. If we will take God serious, if we will take his word serious, and we will have as much faith as Noah had and receive the warning from God, even though we don't see it, even though I think we do see a lot, and we will prepare an ark. We will buy land. We will build that land. God will give us the time and the resources. And for those who are already doing it, it's, it's being built for those who are of the Spirit. It, they are born again. They stand in the grace of God. They worship God. They have the power of God. And yet... In their physical life, there's a preparation for them. Their spirit and their soul may be doing well, but God still has told us in his word, even the Christians of his time, flee into the mountains, flee into the wilderness. I will not mock that. I will not stand by and say, well, I'm a super Christian. I'm a supernatural, born-again, spirit-filled, Holy Ghost, uh, you know, tongue-talking, Bible-believing I don't need to prepare. I won't do that because that's not wisdom. 
Wisdom is, yes, spiritually, I'm on fire. Spiritually, I, have, I felt the impact of God. Spiritually, uh, I'm anointed. Spiritually, I feed on the word of God. Spiritually, I'm strong. My mind and my soul are getting cleaned up, consecrated unto God more and more every day. I'm being washed by the blood of the lamb and by the word of God. But I also need to eat. I also need to drink. I also need clothing. I also need shelter. And Bible says, that Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Don't worry about what you're going to eat during put on, all these things. But when you seek the Lord and he tells you what time it is, well, he tells you to prepare. Then he provides the food, the water, the shelter, the clothing to put into your ark. I mean, it's really simple instruction, right? But uh, that's kind of where we are today. What are you doing with the information that you have? What are you doing with it? I mean, the documentaries are cool. They're excellent. They're well done. The messages are cool. They're excellent. They're well done. But what are we doing? We're living in a world where 5G towers, 6G towers, I've heard about 7G towers, uh, monitoring phone calls, monitoring people's homes, bugs all over the place, listening devices everywhere. Uh, Big Brother coming, television 24-7 in some homes, people watching over and over and over the script that they're putting out there, the lying narrative, the beast-natured narrative, uh, the good and evil paradigm, both equal death, the knowledge of good and evil, you eat of it, you die, whether it's good or evil, Uh, the right-left paradigm, the Republican-Democrat paradigm, uh, the good evil paradigm, all these different paradigms, but they're, they're one and the same. They really are one and the same, and we get that. So you and I need to be partaking of the what? The tree of life, the tree of life, and Yeshua is the tree of life, and we partake of his life and his fruit and, and who he is and his word, and we live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, not in fear. You know, the fear that Noah had when he heard God tell him to prepare was not because of what he said was going to happen again. It was because... He reverenced God. He feared the Lord, and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So we have to we have to quicken our pace, saints. We have to quicken our pace. We have got to find a way to break the spell off of people's minds that here they know they agree with all the evil that's here and coming, but the idea of getting something together to fight against it, I don't see that biblically. As God's plan. And I don't see building an ark and going into the wilderness as fear. I see that as wisdom. I mean, I could pick up a baseball bat like anybody else. I could pick up a gun. I could get weapons. I can go out and start shooting and killing just like anybody else. That doesn't make me a man. It doesn't make me strong. What makes me strong, which makes me a man of God, is to obey the word of God and do what it says to do. And there's nothing in this Bible in these last days that we're living in that are like Lot, homosexuality, pride, abundance of bread. I mean, that's all the definition of what Sodom and Gomorrah was. In the days of Noah, the interaction with technology and fallen angels, I mean, we are living in that, those two paradigms. Noah and Lot, that's what's on the earth right now. It is so wicked and vile, I don't blame God for what he's going to do and allow to happen. But nothing in the scriptures tells me to fight against it. It tells me to get out of the way, prepare. So my standing before God and your standing before God is obeying what he says to do and doing what he says to do. 
And then we become the heirs, like it says in Hebrews 11:7, we become the heirs of righteousness. In other words, because Noah did what God told him to do, he became the heir of righteousness. And he came out and he was the head of a new heaven and a new earth. You and I, when we come out of the ark, when we come out of the wilderness, when we come out of the mountains, the deserts, the Goshens of our day, we're coming out into a coming of the Lord who's going to, we're going to be with him and we're coming back to rule and reign this earth in glorified bodies for a thousand years. But our concentration is getting through the great tribulation. You know, you could talk about all you want to. What the New Testament tells us is that there's three and a half years of great tribulation that has never been before and will never be again. And we believe that's global, that encompasses everything. And there will be those that are in the wilderness and everybody else and everything else is going to be caught in the snare. And that requires a come out of her, my people. So how do you and I function right now? Because here's what it's going to be like. You say, well, why are you talking about this on the air? Maybe someone said that. Well, because God said to. We're talking about it. This is his word. I'm not ashamed of it. And I'm really not afraid of what the devil thinks or what the globalists think. Because quite frankly, when God tells you to go somewhere and you go, he'll, he'll send them away like smoke driven by the wind. He'll, he'll create an atmosphere. They won't be able to go, oh, I remember those people were going to go into a Goshen. They're going to get so deluded. I mean, Satan deceives the whole world. That's pretty bad. But when God sends a strong delusion that people believe a lie, that's worse. I don't want to be under God's delusion. If I am deceived by the devil in some area of my life, I don't want to be, but if I am, God's truth can deliver me from that. But if I come under the grand delusion that God is going to send, there's no salvation from it. So I want to be obedient. I want to serve the Lord. I want to do what is right. I don't want to do it in panic because we'll go out with joy, be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break down before us. This is the most exciting time on the face of the earth to be alive. So what do we do together? And I I will say it again, and I apologize. If you go to a congregation, if you belong to a congregation, if you have a place where the orderly worship is being conducted, not organizational Christianity as a religion and a business, but if you belong to an organic ecclesia where orderly, where the, where the body is ordered, you know, if my physical body wasn't ordered, I'd be flipping out, right? Things would be flying around without me telling it to do it. That's disorder. There must be order in the house of God, and God has established his order, and you have to read the scriptures to understand what that order is, okay? But we're not talking about religious organizational things. We're talking about organic order. If you belong to an ecclesia, you have to prepare. Either your singular ecclesia, let's say there's 50 of you and you guys are studying end-time Bible prophecy, and you have come under the influence, you are convinced God has spoken like he did to Noah. And you're now convinced that God is saying, you're not going to fix this problem. It's going to get worse and worse. And it's going to actually lead into the greatest tribulation where Satan and every satanic diabolical thing that was ever spoken of is going to manifest on this earth. And you don't want to be around when that fury hits, right? So you've come under that understanding. 
you'd like to fight it, you'd like to resist it, you'd like to go after it, you'd like to change it, but that's not prophecy, okay? You now have to prepare to be somewhere. So either you're 50 in your group who are connected in the spirit, your hearts are knit together in love by the spirit of God. Well, you've got to come under an influence. You have to be on the same page. You have to have the same judgment, the same mind, speak the same things. And you have to be with people, maybe not yet perfect, but you need to be with people that are being, they're willing to follow the Holy Spirit. They give place to the word of God. They're open to receive the word of God. Now, your 50 people need to do one of two things. The 50 of you either need to combine your resources and go and and pray and ask God, God, we know that the earth is about to burn. We know that this tribulation is coming. We know that this massive thing is coming. We want to get out of the way. We want to obey you. We want to find that wilderness, that Goshen, that refuge, that, that mountain, that desert. We want to find it because we know that if you're in it, you prepare it, and what you prepare is good. So, Lord, we want to find that place. So we're going to pool our resources. We're going to sell everything we have, and we're going to get together. We're going to go buy land. We're going to go buy land. We're going to buy land that has water. We're going to buy land that has streams coming out of it. We're going to buy land that has um, good soil where we could plant our food, and we're just going to get out of the way. We're not going to organize a, a, a band of warriors to go fight the government. No, no, no. That, that paradigm is done. We're going to go to a place, and yes, if need be, Father God, if, uh, to defend it, so be it. That's fine. But we believe that you are our defense, ultimately. And so we need to go, you 50 people need to find that land. And nobody said it has to be in Arkansas. That's where God led us, Northwest Arkansas. But there's a whole big planet. And nobody said it has to be in America. You don't. Have, you 50 people don't have to, we have to build in America. You can go anywhere God tells you. You can go to China and find some place to build your ark if you need to. You can go to Russia. You can go to Japan. You can go to Yugoslavia. Italy, wherever God says to go, right? For us, of all the places on planet Earth, it was northwest Arkansas. So we're here. That's just us. But your 50 need to ask God, be led by the Spirit, and let him kind of open up the revelation to you. You don't just, you know, you, I guess you could roll the dice, but it's better not to. They appointed an apostle by drawing straws or whatever they did in those days um, and trusting God in it. But you need to find that place. Now, you find a place where it's out of the way, it's good soil, you're going to plant, you're going to build shelters, you're going to utilize the water, you're going to grow your own food, you're going to purchase food that you can have on hand, you're going to freeze dry it, you could, uh, uh, however, you want to store your food. And you want to have all the necessary ingredients. Yes, you want to have medical supplies, even though God is our healer. There are times where Paul said, bring Luke the physician, okay? So there's just a wisdom about how this works in spirit, soul, and body. We don't depend on the medicine. We believe in Jesus as our healer. I've seen it in the spirit in home fellowships where the wisdom of God, the Holy Ghost, will be healing people by supernatural unction and anointing. Doesn't mean you shouldn't have any medical supplies, That's just like you say, well, God could feed us in the wilderness with manna out of heaven and quail. Yes, he can. Doesn't mean you shouldn't have your own food and grow your own garden. You know, God is your defense, but it doesn't mean they didn't carry swords and spears. 
So everything, there's a wisdom. It's called balance. So what you do with your 50 people, you convince everybody. Hopefully your pastor will be involved, and you should have a pastor or an apostle or prophet, evangelist, the fivefold ministry. You should have a minister that does, doesn't get any higher than your knees but serves the purpose of God in your life and helps and assists. So you should get on the same page, and you should put all the skills together. You should get all the skills of your people together. Do you have an electrician? Do you have a carpenter? Do you have a builder? Do you have a plumber? They're the hardest people to find now. Uh, can you guys get together, buy that land, bring people to it, send some forerunners, okay? send some pioneers there to build it and prepare it for the rest to come so they can make their way, be wise as a serpent, gentle as a dove, and do it as unto the Lord. Find a place, make it beautiful, and make it functional. And you do want to be out of the way. You don't want to be a sitting target. Although, if God tells you to build right in the middle of whatever, and you do it, do it. Maybe some of you have started, and maybe it was a stepping stone to the next part. Maybe you've been faithful with a little. Maybe God's going to give much. In all of this, you 50 people in your ecclesia, it's always about the nature of Christ. The wilderness that you go into, the wilderness that God will prepare. See, there's one or two kinds of wildernesses that the Bible speaks about. And I'm gonna, I want to read something to you. And I'm going to try to do it right now, by, and I, I hope I can do it. I hope I can get this for you. Um, I'm going to try this. Ah, let me go. It's in the book of Job. I want to, I want to just re, you know, lay this out there for just a moment. Uh, the book of Job, I think I was in chapter 31, and um, I think I was in like verse, where was I? Let me sew another man. Da, 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 ba, da, da. I'm going to have a hard time doing it. Patricia Joy, if you hear me and you can send me down the living translation, I would really appreciate that. Um, the Bible actually talks about two kinds of wildernesses. Job actually referred to a wilderness where the outcasts of society that were people that were really uh, good for nothing, uh, these people were running into a wilderness and they were howling and they were, uh, they were just, you know, it was a nightmare. They were, they were what you would call them. And again, I, I gotta be careful what I'm saying. The modern day survivalist getting into the wilderness, getting there and packing down, but no spirit of God, right? No Holy spirit. Job's called that wilderness a nightmare, a, a nightmare. But then he calls another wilderness a beautiful place where there's joy and gladness. And that wilderness is like the Garden of Eden. Which one do you want to be in? So you take your 50 people and you go prepare a place in the wilderness, whatever that is, wherever that is. And you do it now. If you believe the word of God, you do it now. Somebody has to go find it. Somebody has to search it out. People have to be willing to gather their resources. Or maybe one person will step up and say, here, I'll fund the whole thing. That'd be nice, right? 
And then you, you go about and you get it done. And then you live in a community. Now, listen carefully. You live in a community where you're serving one another. It's no longer about evangelism in the world. And that's a hard saying because we are to be salt and light. I believe that Noah was salt and light to his generation, but the time came that God told him to enter into the ark. He was no longer in that ark trying to be an evangelist. He had a few people around him that he was stewarding to take care of and to get them continually. They're probably after six months on that ark were going, what the heck are we doing here? And he had to continually present by the grace of God, the anointing of God, the reality that, hey, this is going to pass. Trust the Lord. He was now focusing on the people that were in the ark with him. And that's a hard saying because we're so used to, well, we're salt and we're light and we got to go out and evangelize the world and tell everybody about Jesus. And we've been doing that. Our generation has done that probably more than any other generation in the history of the world because of modern technology. The gospel has been preached all over the world. So now the concentration is no longer on being salt and light to my neighbor in my neighborhood, in my little town. I'm now leaving quietly, and I'm going to a place that nobody knows. None of my neighbors, not my boss, not my best friends in the world who rejected my message to them for all the years I tried to be salt and light before them. I'm now leaving to go to a community with other people that are doing the same exact thing. And in that place, the word of God will be taught, I believe, greater than at any other time in our generation. I believe there's going to be such an unveiling of the word of God in the wilderness, and there's going to be such administration and instruction and teaching and value than at any other time during the church age, maybe just coming next to the book of Acts when they were all gathered together feeding on the apostles' doctrine. But I do believe in a double portion, and I believe that there's going to be a double portion anointing in the wilderness. Oh, you didn't bring me the black Bible? Oh, I thought you wanted to conclude. No, just the living, my love. I'm so sorry, but it's okay. I think I made my point. But thank you. She's so beautiful. I can sing that song. So now you have 50 people. And my question to you is, if you don't do what I just said, what are you waiting for? What further evidence do you need to start doing something? I mean, if you want to hang out and listen to more videos on YouTube that are telling you the bad things and the evil things, and you need more convincing, you need to be more convinced. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. Noah had faith, and it wasn't in prosperity and peace. It was hearing that the storm is coming. But he had faith to hear God, and he did what he had to do. What is it going to take for you to stop listening to YouTube videos, Facebook videos, videos about the end times, to actually get off your duff and do something about it? Now, I'm not advocating panic. I'm saying that you've heard long enough. And every other YouTube documentary, every other video that's going to come out is simply going to be the same thing, maybe more intense. But you already know it's coming. So what you need to do 
It's like some friends that I've recently met. You need to get way ahead of the curve. You need to inconvenience yourself in your at-ease in Zion mentality, and you need to discomfort. And I, I shouldn't say yourself as though I'm pointing a finger at you. I don't mean to do that. We could all probably be a bit more discomforted. But the idea is to not just get the popcorn and listen to the stuff and not do anything about it. And I think I have a right to say something in this manner because we have done something about it to a very large degree. And yet there's more to do. I get that. So you have to be willing to get in front of what's coming. You have to be able to get in front. And if you believe the Bible and the signs of the times and what you're listening on these YouTube videos about the evil, and you realize that the Bible doesn't say to fight against it. It says to get out of the way. I think we've made that point this morning. I think it was an important point. Then you have to move. You say, I don't have any money. Well, you belong to a church. You belong to a group of people. Do they agree with what the Bible says? You just keep loving Serving, not using, not manipulating. You just you were bought, you were brought to that ecclesia as a member of that body. God will take care of you, but you need to inspire people to get ready. You need to inspire, inspire, be an inspiration, be a servant, serve somehow, get involved. Every single person in your fifty people matter. There's not one that doesn't. It's time. It's time. And, and again, the question is, how long do we stay on the air saying these things? What else do we need to know? What else do you need to know? The only thing is, is that if everything that we've been hearing and saying is all true and we're not a bunch of nervous purposes and we're not some neurotic you know, flighty people, if there's a divine intelligence that's moving us, what more evidence do we need to go and prepare? What are some of the enemies of the 50 people? What are some of the enemies? Let's talk about it, seeing that we're just talking from our heart this morning. I've been a pastor for 30 years. That, that means a little bit. doesn't mean a lot, but it means a little bit. It means I've learned a little bit. And I can tell you some of the enemies of the 50 people that are together that believe the same thing in, in, in actually having everybody do something. Well, the enemy of who's in control. It's a big enemy. You know, who's in control? You think about the wilderness experience with Moses and he goes and he brings the children of Israel into the wilderness. And there's Korah. And, of course, Korah, who are you, Moses? You're doing a lousy job. We're coming out here. We're not getting water. We're better than you. You always have a Korah spirit that is intentional, satanic intelligence to undermine the purpose of God. So what you need to do is get, you know, the divine order again, the calling. God chose Moses to do this. Everybody else, the Joshua's and the Moseses, or the Joshua's and the Caleb's, 
for the, you can see his hand, lift up his hands, help him with the battle, help him to do. Um, everybody else needs to cooperate, move forward, knowing that God is good and he wants to lead. But the enemy is a core of spirit. Another enemy is people willing to give up their comfort. People have their nice homes. They have money in the bank. Uh, they enjoy doing things during the week. They have their skills, their hobbies, uh, their enjoyable things. Uh, they're comfortable. They know that God has blessed them. They have, and they're not willing to give it up. This is an enemy. Sometimes you have to be willing to give it up. And I could speak into this part, and I could honestly say that 13 years ago, coming up this October, we left a very comfortable, beautiful place to come to where we are and to live in an RV for five years on land that we've never been to before and do a work. I need to tell you something. It didn't hurt. It was the best decision I ever made in my life. And God prospered and blessed us more than, and, and again, you have to understand where we're coming from. God blessed my life more than it ever has been blessed with being on radio stations, being with a great group of people. It's just been a blessing having our needs met, enjoying life. It has been amazing. I have to admit that. I thought, man, I, I, I give away everything. Give away my business. Give away my, my vehicles in California. Give away. You know, just walk away from that 4,000-square-foot home in San Diego, California, or in Temecula. Um, walk away from things. It was easy. Living in a 35-foot-by-8-foot RV for five years, it was easy. Watching my wife, Patricia, in the middle of winter, because we weren't used to that in California. We lived in San Diego for 34 years, Rancho Bernardo, five years in Temecula, right up the road, 30 minutes just a little north on 15, um, and watching her one winter day walking across from the little trailer house where they had hot water because the pipes in our RV burst, and she's carrying a pot of water with steam coming out of it so we could brush our teeth and wash our face and flush a toilet in the RV. I thought, wow, look at that pioneer woman. It was still the signature of God upon the transition was amazing. And so we keep doing what God tells us to do, and maybe there's a new transition coming. Maybe there's something else, and there, there's something in the atmosphere, and we're exploring it, wanting to understand it. What is this, Lord? What are you saying, Lord? But what about your 50 people? You say, yeah, I don't have 50 people. Well, who do you have? Who are you in fellowship with? The Bible is a strong advocate of fellowship in the body of Christ. You need to be in fellowship, right? So maybe you have 20 people, 10. Oh, there's 10 of us that don't have anything. Well, then you have to, you have to pioneer into like-minded places that do and are preparing, right? That's wisdom. Let's get back to the enemies of the reasons why. Uh, we, so we're at ease, we're comfortable. Um, a core of spirit contends against the movements. 
Um, the enemy mocks people. Your family begins to mock you and scoff at you. Are you crazy? You've lost your mind. Are you, you know, the, the brothers of Jesus literally in the Bible said he lost his mind. He's gone mad. Well, if they said that against Jesus, what do you think they're going to say against you? But unredeemed family or partly redeemed family who don't understand you leaving your beautiful home or your beautiful life to go into the wilderness where you're going to grow a long beard. And they have all these images of what's going to happen. If you want to grow a long beard, great. So, so family. Then you get called names. They call you all kinds of names. What? You're giving up your beautiful home? You're going to go, what? You're leaving? Where? What? Oh, you're joining a cult. They're going to make you sell pencils at the airport and shave your head, and you're going to do a Harry Carey dance around the airport. Who, my mama? Or they're going to dream you down, and they're going to make Kool-Aid, and you're going to drink the Kool-Aid. What's wrong with you? It's an enemy. It's a very powerful enemy upon the mind. The suggestion that what you're doing is wrong. And yet the Bible to do that exact thing in this particular climate. That's an enemy. Having nothing available. I don't have any money. I have nothing. But I love God. So what use could I be? That could be an enemy. Spiritual warfare. The satanic warring against your mind, warring against your heart, double-mindedness, confusion, all these things are very real enemies, but you notice that with Noah, he heard God, and the moment he heard God, none of those things mattered. There will be challenges but if God is in it, those challenges will be met and overcome, even in the wilderness. And yet, again, I would say that in Isaiah 51, verse 3, God talks about, and let me, let me just read it to you one more time. In Isaiah chapter 51, verse 3, here's what I'm looking for. I believe this is God's word, and I believe this is God's will. And if I were to provide something or prepare something or be part of something that's provided or prepared, I would look for this. For the Lord shall comfort Zion. Good. We need comfort. We are Zion. We are the ecclesia. He will comfort all her waste places. All right. All the waste places in our spirit, soul, body, whatever. And he will make her wilderness like Eden and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Wow. I love that, right? Joy and gladness shall be found therein. Thanksgiving and the voice of melody. So in the wilderness, it's going to be like Eden. In the wilderness, there'll be the sound of joy and gladness, Thanksgiving and the voice of melody. That's where I'm going. You know, people have a mindset that the wilderness is going to be, you know, a horrible place. I disagree. And I disagree because in Revelation 12, it says that God has prepared a place for her in the wilderness. And the last time I checked about when God prepares something, yeah, the ark was built by Noah. I get it. It was perfect. 
for what they had to face. With what's coming down the pike, God will prepare something that will be perfect. And when God prepares something, it works. And it works really well. I wasn't on the ark in the days of Noah, neither were you. So I don't want to bring any supposition or idea of what it was like. All I know, what about your job? You have a business. You have a job. How about you have a family? These are all the things that resist forward motion in obedience to prepare. My kids think I'm crazy. My kids are in school. I can't take them out of school. I'm preparing my children for university. Challenge. It's a real challenge. What do you do about these things? Your children are important. Their education is important. Their prospering and thriving and having a chance at life is important. But not in the day that God says, build an ark and get into it. Because quite frankly, you send your children to university, you don't know what's going to happen to them. So the right thing to do, the more excellent way, if you really love your family and you know what God's saying is true, is even though they're not happy about it, you've got to do what you've got to do. And you tell them and you share with them and you show them. And you get them to help you prepare. Noah had three sons that actually helped him prepare. Get the young men involved. Get the young women involved. Get the young ladies getting with the mothers, the older women, and and jarring food and canning food and preparing. And then the fear comes in, oh, well, if we prepare this for for them, then what about us? you got to get rid of that mentality when you're in a unit. It's no longer about me, myself, and I. It's about us. And so if everybody gets involved and they prepare thousands and thousands of jars of food and people get freeze-dried and they get going and working and preparing and gathering into a place, then you steward it. You have good stewardship over these things. But it's for the corporate body. It's for your 50 people. You get the young men helping. You get them building. You teach them trades in the wilderness. You teach them plumbing, building, carpentry, electricity. You teach them in the wilderness where you're building. There you are. So you bring them out of college and you bring them out of skating or whatever they're doing and you bring them and and you teach them in the wilderness how to jar food, how to prepare, how to gather, how to build. You, You teach them. You involve them. You educate them with the word of God. You're with them. They're not with some professor that's going to profane their souls. They're now in the wilderness with the men of God, and they're helping and building and being encouraged and, and supporting. You, you learn to overcome every obstacle. You cannot excuse yourself and it, because your children from doing what God has revealed to you is the right thing to do. And again, this takes time. This takes time for things to dawn on people's minds. I think something was said here today that was revelational. It was totally revelation. Rather than thinking 2022, the, the midterm elections, 2024, you know, the, the, the big presidential elections, 
and things are going to change and we're going to get involved. There's going to be a fight and a battle and turn it around. That's not Bible prophecy in the climate in which we live. I think that was made clear. It's come out of her, my people. Challenging, isn't it? It's very challenging. But again, I want to make my point. What is the point of hearing more and more and more about what is coming? Maybe it is to get people to understand and awaken. Now, we just did shift into the year 5782. And the number 5782 in the Hebrew is to awaken, to arise. I expect that many who have packed their bags in 5781 and are ready to go out into the wilderness that God's going to bring them to, that there will continue to be an awakening in some sectors of the planet where people are awakening. And maybe these YouTube videos videos are assisting in that awakening. But my caution is, if you already are awakened and agree and know, now you've got to go with your bags packed because of the anguish and the distress that's coming. It's, in other words, there's no reason for you to listen to another YouTube video if you're not convinced yet it, uh, or, or if you are convinced. Now, if you're not convinced of all that is happening or what is being said and you're watching all the videos now, if you're watching the videos because you're needing more convincing, that's interesting if you stop and think about it. But maybe you're just a person that you need to be loved on right now. You need to feel the grace of God. You're, you're struggling in your, your marriage. You're struggling in your finances. You're struggling in your health. And you just want the promises of God. Why can't you do that in the wilderness? Nobody says that God's not going to be in the wilderness. As a matter of fact, the last time I read my Bible, that's exactly where God is going to be. In his most profound presence. Maybe you're feeling you're too old. I'm too old. I'm, no, I'm of no value. The, the world told me with Adolf Hitler I was a useless eater. And there's nothing I could do to be of value. Let me tell you something if you're an elderly person. This man you're looking at right now, I have survived because of elders. And I have survived because people that were older than I I don't care if they lift one finger to do anything. They were an inspiration in my life just to encourage me. I, I have elders in my life right now that I love, appreciate, and value. Their presence in our ministry inspires me. It inspires me. I have had elders in my life that at times they were like fathers. They would see my vision. They would sew into the vision. They would pat, their, they would pat my back. They put an arm around my neck. They would call me Nehemiah. They would call me a builder. They would, they would say, oh, you're doing a great job. They inspired me. My own father-in-law, who lived to be 100 years old, was an incredible inspiration. He couldn't do anything, but he was an incredible inspiration. Just his appreciation of who I was, just his, 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 his sense of worth towards me, meant so much to me. And I believe elders have that kind of value. I'm telling you, a pat on the back, an arm around the neck, a smile, an approval, I can't even begin to tell you the value of that. 
what it's meant in my life. So you're not too old. You know, that woman, 84 years old in the temple, when Jesus was born, she wasn't too old. All she did, she was faithful for, since she was a young woman in the temple, praying night and day with prayers, supplications. She's the one that sees Jesus and says, you're the one. The other old guy in the temple, Zacharias. Now, Lord, your servant may depart. My eyes have seen your glory. What big deal did he have, right? Just to acknowledge the honor of the king of glory, Jesus. You're not too old. As a matter of fact, Caleb said he was 85 years old. And he said, I'm 85 and I'm stronger now than when I was a youth. He had stronger faith, in my opinion. And, and, and he said, I want my mountain. In this economy, it's not about getting a mountain, but it's taking the strength of your, your walk with God as an elder and imparting it to others and being a part. Everybody's a part. Mr. B, my father-in-law at, at 100, when he was in his mid-90s, he used to sit down and he'd point the finger. You need to do this. You need, and he would just kind of instruct. Say, hey, this, Vince, why don't you do this? Vince, why don't you do that? Everybody is valuable. There are no useless eaters in the kingdom of God. You, in your group of 50, have kids, many or a few. You need good teachers. In other words, folks, it's time to put it together. Make a decision. Find the place and go. Will there be challenges along the way? There could be, yep. But I know about a wilderness it's like the garden of the Lord, like Eden, where there's joy and gladness. And that's what I'm looking for. I don't care if there's, I don't care what they have. They don't, you know, I just care about wherever we go, the spirit of joy and gladness and the garden of Eden and the people are all moving in the same direction. That's good for me. What you got there, baby? Got a big sign for me? Okay. All right. I've got to do that. Patricia Joy is instructing me right now to do something. So, first of all, I want to say good morning to everybody out there. Thanks for tuning into the broadcast and listening. And um, I think we're doing okay here. Um, Laquita. I need to get this for Laquita. And I want to put on... uh, I want to put up a phone number on the screen. Maybe you're one of those individuals that you're saying, well, what what do I do? Where do I go? You know, maybe you're struggling with something in your life and you're not able to really consider the things that are being said because you are dealing with issues. Why don't you get some help? Why don't you call that number, 479-233-3774, and ask for help pray. There's the, there's the number. Maybe you're listening. Maybe you will be listening later. Call that number, 479-233-3774, and receive intercession, receive prayer, so that you can be rid of this issue that's distracting you from thinking about the more important things. You say, well, the things I'm going through are very important. Maybe they are. Let's get them solved and resolved 
so that we can move on into what we're talking about now, which ultimately is going to be very important. Call that number, 479-233-3774. Let me just check out our blog talk radio, those that are listening. The number is open, 818-369-0326. If you have any questions or comments about what you're hearing today, feel free to call in. Just press 1 on your dial pad. I want to look at some of our comments out there today. John Hershey, happy to see you back on YouTube again. Good to be back on the air, John. I see Kevin Hauger. Good morning, Pastor Vincent. Good morning, Kevin. Charlotte Gotch, good morning. Good morning, Charlotte. Shirley Woolsley, good morning. Church, good morning. Shirley, good morning. Carol Page Carey, Kevin Howard, good morning. Visit YouTube is good for others who don't follow on other sites. Okay. Uh, Miriam Buswell, good morning. Blessings. Callie Reynolds, good morning. Pastors, good. So we had a few people out there listening today. And again, any comments that you would like to share about what you heard? What are you hearing? How did this minister to you? What does it mean to you? What does it mean to you? Brian and Kathy, you're giving us a good morning. God bless Brian and Kathy. Trust you're doing well. God bless you. We will not be on the air tomorrow, Brian and Kathy. Uh, we have some work that we have to do, and it's, it's uh, uh, kingdom work. And, guys, we're going to miss you tomorrow. So thank you for your patience with us. Um, we'll probably put on an interview that we've done before, and we'll get it out there. Um, so... Life will go on in the days of Noah, in the days of Lot. They built, they bought, they married, they gave in marriage. Life was going on. I would love to hear from you about what you heard today. And if you say to me, well, I totally agree, I totally agree if you say that, are are you moving into And I thank God that you do agree, and I thank God that you are preparing. Uh, Speaking about Passover, Kathy's going to be making things for Passover. Uh, We, and I want to get this out there, are going to be celebrating Passover Friday evening. We have invited some people. A number of people will be coming from wherever, whatever. For us, it's a family affair, if you will. Um, the body of Christ, the family of God in heaven and on earth. Um, God calls the body to celebrate the feast of the Lord. I believe that. And we always dive into the intrinsic value of the feast. This Passover, Friday night, at 5.30 p.m., we will be celebrating on the ark our Passover. Our brother Paul Uh, who is the owner of the Hallelujah Bakery, is a Messianic believer. He's a Jewish man from New York who loves Yeshua, loves Jesus. He and his beloved wife are going to be leading the Seder, the Haggadah. They're going to be telling the story or retelling the story of the Passover. And we are very excited about that on Friday night at 530 And you are cordially invited to come and celebrate Passover. I personally would highly recommend that you celebrate the Lord's feasts. There is a dynamic. There is a mystery unveiled. There is a uh, a blessing in participating in the Lord's feasts. It marks the beginning of the year ahead for you. And there are certain things that you want to make sure that you come in along alongside with God. And 
honor him for what he's what he's doing so that the year ahead of you will be a very, very good year. We could talk about it. Maybe maybe some other time, Thursday or Friday, if we're back on the year, we'll share about the Feast of Passover. Uh, but it's it's valuable. It's it's awesome. And Friday night at 530, that gives you a couple of days to pack your bags, get in your car and come out to Northwest Arkansas. Give us a shout. We'll make sure that we uh, are available to you, get you to come to the Ark and participate in the Feast of Passover. We were with another body that's already celebrated the, the Passover. So the timing, everybody was wondering, what's the right time? We're doing it Friday, and we're going to have seven days every night, every evening. Um, let's see, Friday at uh, 5.30, this coming Friday. Saturday, we'll gather at 5.30, probably at the church in Bella Vista. Sunday at 2 p.m., we'll gather again. Monday, we'll gather at 7 p.m. Tuesday, we'll gather at 7 p.m. Wednesday, we'll gather at 7 p.m. Thursday, we'll gather at 7 p.m. And Friday, we will once again either pass out or pass over (laughs) into the things of God. And then, of course, we have our services Saturday and Sunday, so things will continue for us. But I have a pastor friend of mine, and um, Pastor Ken Maddox will be there. I invited Pastor Kevin Honeycutt. He will not be there. He's uh, had some business that he has to attend to, so we'll miss uh, the presence of uh, Pastor Kevin Honeycutt, and uh, continue to pray for him and his ministry and bless him. Um, You know, he's walking through a season in his life where his wife, after 34 years, has passed away. Um, and, there, you know, that's just, that's deep, that goes deep in people's lives. And Pastor Kevin, um, pray that he's right on the path of destiny for his life here on earth, his family, his church, his ministry, and we always bless him. We bless Pastor Kevin Honeycutt, and we will miss him. So uh, we will have some other friends that will be sharing on the Passover, and uh, pastors within New Wine Ministries that will have um, a, a message to share as well. And we're looking forward to that. And uh, we will be having a meal Friday night, this coming Friday, after the Seder, the retelling of the story. We'll have a big meal. And you haven't had a really good meal till you've been to a new wine ministry uh, feast. And it is a feast. Uh, these feasts of the Lord are the, these in-gatherings and these celebrations um, are uniquely rich they are like a bonus, whereas you kind of do things all week long and you go, this is the bonus. This is the bonus time when you get into the season of the feasts. Um, and remember, when it comes to Passover, that Friday night is Passover. Saturday um, will be, at, when the sun sets, the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And then Sunday, the second day, will be the Feast of First Fruits. So you have three feasts. Within three days, Passover, the beginning of a seven-day feast on leavened bread, and then the next day, which is the third day since Passover, the Feast of First Fruits. That's an important day in the economy of heaven. And then, of course, you start counting the Omer, and there's a 49-day count from Passover, the day after. You count the Omer, 49 days. On the 50th day, you Shavuot, you shout. This is called the Feast of Weeks. We know it as the Feast of Pentecost, Penta, 50, the 50th day. Now, there's another feast on the 50th day. It's a two-day feast. And we come together again to celebrate the Lord. And then there's four months 
of harvest. Four months of harvest coming all the way to the fall feast, which begins with the blowing of trumpets on the first day of Tishri, or the seventh month. On that day, the trumpets blast, and then people go into what is called the ten days of awe, or introspection, and it leads up to the tenth day, which is the day of atonement, which is another feast. So you have the feast of trumpets, you have the feast of atonement, and then on the fourteenth day, you begin the feast of tabernacles. So you have three feasts in the beginning of the year, which is Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits. Then in, right in the middle, you have the Feast of Pentecost, or Shavuot, that's four. And then the fall feast of trumpets, atonement, and tabernacles. You have a total of seven feasts in the economy of God. And each one of those feasts have intrinsic value to a born-again, spirit-filled believer today. Two of those feasts have been completely fulfilled, which are Passover and Pentecost. But the final feast to be fulfilled is tabernacles. And so we celebrate these feasts with spiritual meaning, intrinsic value, not the outward um, thoughts. You know, we're not going to kill a thousand oxen. We're not going to do it. Okay, so God shows us how to do these things and to bring the, the spiritual value, the spiritual meat. And I believe that these are opportunities for exponential growth in the life of a believer. And I've witnessed that. We've celebrated these for 30 years and have hosted tabernacles for 30 years. And we've seen people's lives go from here to here, just in a moment for celebrating or stepping into that environment of the feast. We at New Wine Ministries are a simple host to all these feasts. We're going to begin Friday night at 530. You are invited. And I would hope that as the year begins with these celebrations, that you would make it a part of your paradigm, even if it's in the wilderness. Come on. The Feast of the Lord originated on the fourth day of creation when God put the sun, moon, and stars, and he put the moeds, which means the times of celebration or the gathering together of the assembly for feast days. I mean, it's supernatural that before there was a Jew-Gentile paradigm that God, for creation, wanted these feast days to tell the entire story. Wow. It's absolutely phenomenal, quite frankly. All right, so we got a call coming in here. Let's take this call. I see Brother Mark is calling 916. Good morning. God bless you, and welcome to the broadcast. Brother Mark, you are on the air. Well, good morning, Pastor V. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I hear you pretty good, sir. How are you today? Oh, I'm doing well. Just busy, busy, busy. We're in the process of moving into our cabin in the woods that we have built. And uh, I, know. I just want to comment on something. Well, our, our cabin in the woods that we have built, because we, we believe the Word of God, my wife and I have been led to an understanding by the Holy Spirit, thank you, Jesus, that we needed to come out of her. We needed to exit Babylon. And we are in the process of doing that, and we're just ever so Hold grateful. Hold on, Mark, one sec. Mark, hold on one okay. second. I just, uh, let me just get to the audio here. Okay, go ahead, sir. Okay. So um, I was reading my Bible last night, and I'm going to go ahead and put you back on speakerphone because I need to look at these verses in order to continue my comment intelligently. Give me just a second here. I've got to get back in the cabin. 
where I have my reading glasses. <laughs> what were you saying up front, Mark? People did not hear you up front, so go ahead and share what you were saying at the beginning. Oh, okay. I, what I had said at the very beginning is that uh, after you asked me how I am, I said I am busy, 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 because we are in the process of final preparations to move from our home into our cabin that we've been building out here on the property. Busy, busy, busy. And uh, my other comment was that we are moving into a cabin and out of our home because we have paid attention. We have paid heed to the word of God, which is come out of her, my people. My wife and I are moving out of Babylon and we are becoming more and more dependent upon the understanding that the Holy Spirit brings to our hearts, the understanding of the word of God. So having said that, I need to look at this scripture real quick. Hang on a second here, Pastor. All right. All right. I think there are many people out there like Mark that are making that decision to come out and be separate. And this is this is good. This is very good. And what scripture right. do we have here? I'm looking at John 15. And I was reading John 15 last night. I want to find the verse here. Okay. John 15, starting in verse 14. You are, this is Jesus Christ speaking. This is not just some casual writer. These are the words of Jesus. You are my friends. If you do whatsoever I command you, Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. Here we have Jesus telling us that he has been a direct conduit between his Father, our Father, God, and us, we human beings. Jesus goes on to say, and here's the part that I really, really, that really struck me last night. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go out and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. For whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Going on, Pastor, here's verse 17, which really, really is the most pertinent to what we have been discussing on the air today. Jesus said, these things I command you, that you love one another. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, But I have chosen you out of the world. Thank you, Jesus. I have chosen you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. So there you go. That's it in a nutshell, Pastor. That that in a nutshell is, for me and my wife, the reason that we're going through this process of moving out of the town where we're moving from that the Lord has called us out of the world and into his fold, that we are sheep belonging to the shepherd. The shepherd is Jesus. 
these words are just not casual comments in the Bible. These words are the words of Jesus Christ, and the significance and the importance and the command factor of these words doesn't get any more direct than that. These are not the words of some human being. These are the words of Jesus, the Christ. So Cindy and I, we've learned to stand, to sit up and pay attention. You know, she first heard the calling when we were still living in California, and she really couldn't explain what it was, that, why it was, how it was that we should be leaving California. But she did pay attention to the Holy Spirit, who said to her repeatedly, you guys need to get out of California. And my wife would say to me repeatedly, we need to get out of California. And I would say to her repeatedly, why? Why are you bothering me with this? But we did get out of California, Pastor, and we came to Arkansas, and we are so glad because the path for us becomes more clearly shown, more and more clearly shown every month or so. And we're just really thankful for that. Well, Praise we're very God. thankful. Amen. And I know that's your story, and you're going to stick with it. But we have also been the beneficiaries of both you and Cindy, and you have made such a beautiful impact in this ministry. And we're glad that God brought you all the way from Sacramento, California, to be right here in our neck of the woods and how the Spirit joined everything together by His Spirit. I think it's a phenomenal testimony, and I think it's only just begun. I think some incredible things are laid out for the future. And God bless you. And those scriptures were phenomenal. They fit perfect for today. That was excellent. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Pastor. God bless you. Amen. Thank you for the blessing. And and thank you for that blessing. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Shalom. All right. Brother Mark, Cindy, doing an incredible work, man. You talk about being doers of the word. That was amazing. All right, so here we go. Anybody else? I put a little note up there, by the way. Passover begins 5.30 p.m. on Friday, April 15th on the Ark. I hope that you're going to make it part of your plan to be there. And, uh, again, if you have any questions or comments about what you heard today, make sure you let us know. And, by the way, if you're out there and you'd like to support this ministry, one way you can do that is by simply going online and giving it to the – let's see, what do we have here? No, that's the broadcast. Um Well, praise the Lord. We'll just let that all go for right now, okay? So we're going to say goodbye for now. It's been an honor to be with you. We will not be back on the air for at least a day, maybe Thursday or Friday. Until then, be super blessed. We love you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Have a great day. Shalom, and God bless.